Welcome to the Living Parables Podcast, where we uncover spiritual truth and lessons God has given us through His Word and our own life stories. I am Nate, your host. To all listeners tuning in the show, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I appreciate each and every single one of you. And now let us begin. Well, I'd like to welcome you back to the Season 5 finale. It has been a long road thus far, and... To everybody who has been faithful, thank you from the bottom of my heart. I'm not going to have any extended intro, but this is the sermon that God allowed me to do back in November about the heart, and I'll be really honest with you, it's, uh, I was very, very blessed that day. It went very well, and so I hope that it blesses you edifies you and sanctifies you further and until i speak with you and meet with you all god bless you all from the bottom of my heart remember everything is in christ with christ and for christ until next time god bless you all we want to welcome nate to come and preach about what is god's heart Good morning, everybody. Um, first off, now that makes it this room temperature a lot more warm, because he'll be critiquing me, and I, uh, I'm not sure if he has them right or not, but um, scorecards, you know, number out of 10, I hope not. Um, I, 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 I can't say enough how blessed and I am. I've had a, a smile ear to ear preparing, and uh, this, this came from a study and John and I went and uh, tweaked it because it was a 16-pager. And I sent it to Gloria, which I'm glad she didn't read the first round because John's like, sent her an email saying, we're going to go over it right now. So, uh, and I have, I have a quick funny story before we get started, though. Um, yesterday, um, we were working on the uh, slides and uh, Cheryl calls me and I go, uh-oh. This is not this is not good. I said, hey Cheryl, what's going on? Hey, the slides aren't working. So we're troubleshooting. And as all this is going on, my kids are asking me a thousand questions. She's on speakerphone. She's so patient and so graceful. So as this is going off, I'm making a pizza for my children. And I, this has never happened before, but our smoke alarm is just going off. <laughs> and I'm like, what is going on? So I'm literally on the phone on my watch standing on top of the couch trying to hit this button because it's all the way at the top of a nine-foot ceiling. So I'm trying to hit this button. And she's just like, can I call you back? I was like, yeah, <laughs> let's, let's do that. So um, I'll tell you, uh, it, it take a lot of it here. And, you know, my, my children are sick too, so I'm kind of bummed out that they're not here. But I know they're watching, so uh, better be taking notes. Um, but anyway, you know, something that's been uh, pressing on me lately um, is, is the heart. And it kind of came from my own curiosity. I, I wonder what, what the heart is truly. Uh, so over the course of time, past or present, you probably have heard advice or have given advice to somebody saying, follow your heart, trust your heart. Let your conscience be your guide. And those are all ear-pleasing philosophies, but here's the reality. Biblically, it's not the best advice. 
So we're going to look at some worldly quotes right now. Uh, you can kind of look these up if you will. I'm going to leave those kind of as a little Easter egg for you about who said these. But listen, this is what some worldly people say about the heart. Have the courage to follow your heart and intuition. Trust yourself. You know more than you think you do. Only do what your heart tells you. Trust your heart rather than your head. You've got to just follow your own path. You have to trust your heart and you have to listen to the warnings. You can't argue with the universe. See, are you here? Are you seeing a pattern? And that's what the world does. It exalts self. And it seems good. It's on the surface, it sounds good. And that's what the world does. It exalts self. So what is the heart? I mean, we obviously all know what the heart is. We know what this is. But what are we actually talking about here today? We're actually talking about the spiritual heart. And we're going we're to find out what God's word says, what the heart is. And the Greek word for the heart is cardia with a K. Uh, you can read up on the screen here. Which it says, it means the effective center of our being, the inner man or self. It is capacity of moral preference where all the morals and emotions flow from. I didn't know that. So I have a lot of questions for us today. And as we progress through this, they're going to get a little bit harder and harder and harder to hear. So the first question is, what's the condition of our hearts? It's self-reflection time. How is your spiritual self? How is your spiritual heart doing? You know, oftentimes we hide behind routines and busyness of life and we neglect to look in the mirror and ask those hard questions. And many times we don't want to know the answer to those questions. So ignorance is bliss, right? Luke 5.31 says, And Jesus answered and said to them, It is not those who are well who need a physician, but those who are sick. There's a lot of that going on this week, this month. It's hitting my house pretty hard. But the real question is, am I sick? Are you sick? Let's, and it's time to get a heart examination. But from who? You know, as we previously discussed, the world sees no problem with their heart. Matter of fact, they say to trust in it and rely on it. Remember all the quotes we just read? See, what we do is we cannot at this moment look at anybody else's heart. I can't look across and say, you know, I wonder what Justin's heart's right now. What about Larry's? What about John's? Hmm. See, we're going to take our spiritual heart out and we're going to look at it. We're not going to look this way. Ooh, what does his or hers look like? No, you have to focus solely on yours at this moment. And this is hard. This is the hardest thing for anybody to do. But you can't look at anybody else's. We have to look at ourselves. See, we tend to fall in the illusions that we have hearts of gold. You've heard that before. We have hearts of gold that we could trust. Why not? But that's not biblical. So we're going to look at two scriptures from the Old Testament and the New Testament to see who the only one who, who can actually examine our hearts. First Chronicles 28.9, listen to this. As for you, my son Solomon, know the God of your father and serve him with a whole heart and a willing mind. Here it is. For the Lord searches all hearts and understands every intent of the thoughts. Amen. Listen to Psalm 44.21. Would not God find this out? For he knows the secrets of the heart. And Jesus, in Matthew 9.4 
And Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Why are you thinking evil in your hearts? And the last one for the New Testament, 1 Thessalonians 2.4. But just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, we, so we speak, not as pleasing men, but God who examines our hearts. Yes. Yes. Doesn't leave anything to imagination, does it? God's the only one who can examine the heart. And there are many scriptures you can do on your own. I would encourage you to do that. I, that's why John and I went from our 16-pager down to 13. Because there are so many. But that's okay. Because the best sermons are the sermons with the most scripture in it. So, what are the, what are the results? What's the results? What does God say? Listen to Numbers 15.39. This is powerful. It shall be a tassel for you to look at and remember all the commandments of the Lord so as to do them, and here it is, and not follow after your own heart and your own eyes after which you played the harlot. Listen to Proverbs 28, 26. He who trusts in his heart is a fool. Mm. A little bit of an ouch, isn't it? If you've ever been a person or received that, Advice about trusting your heart? Ouch. Because I've done that. And these two verses here, I'm going to say, are the most powerful about the results of the heart. Listen to Jeremiah 17.9. The heart is more deceitful than all else and is desperately sick. Who can understand it? In Matthew 15.18-20, listen to this. But the things that proceed out of the mouth come from the heart and those defile the man for out of the heart come evil thoughts murders adulteries fornications thefts false witness and slanders these are the things which defile the man but to eat with unwashed hands does not defile the man that word defiler means corrupt and the most alarming of all the results is that our hearts are dead Ephesians 2.1 and you are dead in your trespasses and sins. The heart doesn't sound like something we should rely on, does it? See, we here believe in the authority of Scripture. We know that all Scripture is God-breathed. And God, who is our great physician, is here telling us now to not trust in our hearts, and that our hearts are deceitful and are desperately sick. And we have a terminal illness of the heart, and that's sin. And sin separates us from God. You can read that in Isaiah 59 too. As a matter of fact, if unless we're made alive by the Holy Spirit, our spirit, heart, inner self is dead. Just like a rock. There's no life in it. There's nothing it can do to make itself alive. And if this serious problem isn't taken care of, it will result in something far greater than death. And that is the judgment and wrath of God. And Hebrews 10.31 says, it is a terrifying thing to fall in the hands of the living God. It's a terrifying thing. We're not going to come up here and make you feel good about yourself all the time. God is not Mr. Rogers' neighborhood. It's not. This is, this is serious stuff. So what are my options? Go, to, go get it. Heart examine. What are my options? I got my choices. First one, do nothing. Do nothing. Keep living our best lives now. 
eat, drink, and be merry, indulging in all the world has to offer. Let me ask this question. How's it working for you? Is living for yourself and ourselves working for our own good, fulfilling us? I would assume not. Living out for ourselves and being outside of Christ, there's only one outcome. We will never know Christ, and that results in eternal separation from God. That option doesn't sound too good for me. What's my other option? Hopefully there's another option. There is. We can get a spiritual heart transplant. So I looked up the definition of a heart transplant, and here's the definition. It says, it is an operation in which a disease-failing heart is replaced with a healthier donor heart. Some members of our congregation have actually went through that. And if we needed a heart transplant, I seriously doubt we would sit back and do nothing. Would we? No, we would exhaust all of our resources, put all of our effort into getting this accomplished. So if we would go through great lengths to get this heart replaced, why do we neglect the spiritual? Why do we not get into this? Why do we not pray the scriptures? Why do we decide to blow off church? Why do we neglect it? It's in our nature. It's that Romans 7, we're battling against our flesh. Now here's the thing. This spiritual heart is far greater than our physical. Because the physical will fail. It will fail. But our spiritual hearts will live forever. So now... We're going to go back to that definition again, but we're, all, we're going to highlight a section here. Diseased, failing heart. We're going, to, we're going to focus on that for a minute. Now, you remember Jeremiah 17.9 where it says, the heart above all things is deceitful and desperately sick. Remember that? Well, I looked up the Greek word for desperately sick. I want you to listen to this. This is so, so powerful. The Greek word for that, desperately, is this. To be weak, woefully sick, incurable. That changes that scripture up, doesn't it? That makes it impact just a little bit here. Make that feel a little bit heavier. How frightening is that? I'm not saying this to you. God is saying this to you right now. Your heart is sick. It's incurable. There's nothing you can do externally to fix it. There's there's nothing you can do internally to fix it. That's terrifying. And, and him, let me say this too. Could you imagine being at a heart specialist and then saying, you know, Nate, I hate to break this to you, but your heart is diseased and it's incurable. Would I pridefully say to him, you're wrong. No, I'm not. I'm fine. You can't tell me what to do. You can't tell me to live. I'm fine. Would we actually say that? Absolutely not. So God is telling us, that we are spiritually sick and nothing in this world and nothing within ourselves is able to cure it. And if we stopped here, ladies and gentlemen, boy, that's hopeless. That'd be terrible. If I were to walk off this stage right now, that's not, he's never going up there ever again. 
He's hitting hit me right here. I don't like that. The word of God's doing that to you. Because let me tell you something. I've already went through it myself already. So now we get to bring it to you. But if we stop there, that'd be so hopeless. But we have a God who is able to perform a spiritual heart transplant, but we have to do it God's way. We can't do it our way. So we're going to look at a very, very powerful scripture in 2 Corinthians 7, 9, talking about repentance. Because right now, if you're like me, you're feeling something here, and it's not good. Well, I came, I came to church to get the, the I feel the glads, not the sads. Well, the, the glads are coming. The glads are coming. So listen, 2 Corinthians 7, 9 says, I now rejoice, not that you were made sorrowful, but that you were made sorrowful to the point of repentance. For you were made sorrowful according to the will of God, so that you might not suffer loss in anything through us. Here it comes. For the sorrow that is according to the will of God produces a repentance without regret, leading to salvation. But the sorrow of the world produces death. And sorrow here in the Greek means distress, vexation, physical or emotional pain, heavy heart sorrow grief that brings a person down. That's what the word of God does. And that's why we emphasize it so much. Have you felt this kind of godly sorrow repentance before? Are you feeling it now? But our flesh fights against that. You know what? He's wrong. I don't care what he's saying. That's wrong. Don't come at me like that. Don't talk about my heart like that. You're you're playing with my heart. I don't like that. See, our flesh fights against that. Don't fight against godly sorrow. Don't fight against it. The question we should be asking ourselves is, what do we do next? Are you guys ready for some good news? Kind of? Maybe? Sort of? Yeah, I am too. We're going to go back to the heart transplant definition, but we're going to, instead of looking at disease-failing heart, we're going to look at something else. Replace with a healthier donor heart. Here's the most wonderful news you'll ever hear in your life. We have a donor. We have a donor. The only perfect match. God's very heart. The most healthy, the most righteous, the most holy, the most beautiful. And we're going to take a look at that in depth here in just a second. If I can turn my page. Now, Justin must have somehow looked at my notes because Psalm 51.10 is exactly where I was going with that. I love that. I love, when, I love when those things come together. It's not an accident, people. God's working. And he's working on your heart. So you already heard what Justin said earlier. And he already actually explained some of it. So he actually did some of the work for me. Thank you, Justin. And I have, and by the way, just to let you know, my dad's not here right now. But uh, when my dad was praying for a communion once, I went like this to his face. And the minute I was about ready to be done, he opened his eyes. That was a fun car ride home. Because uh, <laughs> he explained to me the, the seriousness of communion. <clears throat> so, Psalm 51.10, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. We already talked about why you pray this prayer. But God sent Nathan to confront him with a parable. 
about a sheep. David used to be a shepherd, right? He was so angered by this. He said, that man deserves to die, and he's going to pay fourfold for what he's done. You know what Nathan said to him? Some of you already know. You're the man. You're the man. And that's why later on, in 2 Samuel uh, 12, or 12, verse 13, I have sinned against the Lord. David was experiencing godly sorrow repentance. You get lost in your sin, and you can use any way and any means to justify it. But we are the man. Oh, I'm not a man. That's not what I'm talking about. We are the ones who sin against God. We cause that separation between him and us. And that's a hard thing to understand. We are guilty. <clears throat> and God's way is for us to come to back to a place of repentance. So we're going to look at how God actually gives us a heart transplant. So with your Bibles, I do want you to turn with me, although it's going to be on the screen, but I do want you to read it for your own eyes and your own self. Please turn with me to Ezekiel 36, 25 to 28. <clears throat> I'm cheating because I'm already there. So Ezekiel 36, 25 through 28. This is where the good news comes in. <clears throat> I'll give you a second to get there. Ezekiel 36, 25 through 28. Here's what it says. And this is God talking. Then I will sprinkle clean water on you. And you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your idols. Moreover, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. And you will be careful to observe my ordinances. You will live in the land that I gave your forefathers so that you will be my people and I will be your God. How amazing is that? Listen, listen to what he's saying. He's going to give us the forgiveness of sins. He's going to put a new heart within us, a new spirit within us. He's going to remove that heart of stone and remove it. Then he's going to give us his Holy Spirit to dwell within us so we can live that Christian life. We talked about it this morning in Sunday school. There is no God like our God. Remember before when I said that there's nothing we can do to fix it? It's right here. We're going to look at a few things just real briefly. What is the heart of stone? The heart of stone is the resistance of God. It's unrepentant. It denies his attributes. It's unbelief, disobedient, living for our own sinful desires and living life contrary to what God requires. You know, what's beautiful is that God just doesn't remove the heart of stone and set it aside. He removes it completely. And so what is this new heart of flesh and new spirit? What's this all about? That's the new heart and spirit that is regenerated and born again. It's a heart that lives for God, has holy and righteous longings, is consumed with, with glorifying Christ in all things, and has a strong desire to be obedient to Christ. 
is a willing slave to whatever the master wills or commands. It desires to be led by the Holy Spirit, by the word of God, rather than themselves, loves the people of God, has a passion to know God, seek God, and love God. Those are the differences between the two. And this is why we emphasize the word of God so strongly here. So I love it. Love it here. Is because, listen to what Jeremiah 23, 29 says. Is, this is God talking again. Is not my word like a fire, declares the Lord, and like a hammer which shatters a rock? You see, God's word shatters a heart of stone that opposes him, so the saving, sanctifying truth of scripture can permeate the deepest depths of our hearts. And there's something I want you to pay attention to. Um, I highlighted them, but I didn't highlight them on, on, on the screens it looks like. That's okay. But there's, there's two words that are repeating in these uh, three verses in Ezekiel 36. I will. Six times. I will, I will, I will, I will. Does it say anything about you? No. It's a work of God. God says, I will sprinkle clean water on you and cleanse you. I will give you a new heart. I will put a new spirit within you. I will put my spirit within you. And I will be your God. That's powerful stuff. So the the importance of God saying this over and over and over again is for a few things. Only he can grant new birth to spiritually dead hearts. Another reason is because we're worth it. If we weren't worth it, he wouldn't have sent his son to die on the cross. And he also is saying this because his promises are faithful and true. What did Pontius Pilate say? What is truth? Jesus is the truth. You know, we we haven't talked about this yet today. But in order for a heart donor, in in order to get one, someone has to die. We don't like talking about that. A really close brother of mine told me a story and it brought me to tears. A family was uh, calling their pastor and said they needed needed him up to the church right now, or uh, to the hospital right now. So their newborn had swelling of the brain. They were on life support. It wasn't going to be much longer. And so the parents were faced with the, the reality that their son was going to die. And with this story, the pastor's up there. Everybody's crying. Everybody's just, you can imagine the scene. And they have to hear another hard question. Do you want your son to be an organ donor? And 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 the father, crying his eyes out on the pastor's shoulder, saying, I don't understand. I don't understand. He said, why? The pain is so overwhelming. And the pastor, just being there, but he said something to him because he understood. He was a a mature brother in Christ. He said, this is what God did for us. So he elected to have his son be taken off and be a donor. And as a result of that, that heart saved another heart's life. 
So you know when we're talking about God, where he says, I will, I will, I will? He did. He did. He sent his one only son to make a way through his death, burial, and resurrection so that we can have a new heart and a new birth in which we go from children of wrath to children that are beloved by God. I mean, it doesn't get any better than that, folks. That's amazing grace. Amen? That's amazing grace. That's why we sing those songs. We go from that godly saw repentance of hopelessness and nothingness to everything. So we're going to look at the aftercare. What are we supposed to do with this new heart? According to the mayoclinic.org, the most worrisome risk of a heart transplant is that the body rejects the donor heart. We're going to make this really simple. Don't reject the spiritual heart. Don't reject it. Well, how? I'm going to give you some practical ways as we wrap up on how to prevent us from rejecting this new heart. Um, I added this in there at the last moment. I think it's a, I think it's appropriate. We need to be thankful. We need to be thankful. This is the th- the season of Thanksgiving, which it should be all day, every day, all year long for Christians. But you know, some people with uh, heart transplants, they just go back to living their old life, and they're worse off than they were before. But let's not squander these new hearts with our old ways. Here's the second one. We need to draw near to God. Hebrews 10, 22 says, Let us draw near with a sincere heart, in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Doesn't that sound like a lot like Ezekiel 36? I thought it did. Also, listen to this. Um, I'm adding another verse here. James 4, 4 says, Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. How close are you with God? When was the last time you drew near to him? Here's the next thing. We need to prioritize God's word. I'm going to hit you hard with this one. If you are in the word of God, stay in the word of God. If you are outside of the word of God, get into the word of God. It's so important. Because many of us, many of us say, I don't have time for God's word. I'm just too busy. Well, if you don't have time, you need to make time. Because it's too important. Here's why. Romans 10, 17 says this. So faith comes from hearing and hearing by the words of Christ. You can't just show up to church, listen to a few scriptures on Sunday, and wait till the following Sunday to hear it again. You need to be in it every single day. Do you need to be in hours every day? No. But make it a priority. It's what increases our faith. So when we increase our faith, then we start to walk in obedience. And that's how we show God we love him. Listen to 1 John 5, 3. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments aren't burdensome. And I'm going to hit you with this one. Jesus said in John 14, 15, If you love me, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Ouch. I was talking to my father the other day about that. He said, man, that is such a hard-hitting verse. Very convicting. If you love me. So 
when we increase our faith and walk in obedience, then we continue in our sanctification. When we continue our sanctification fully, here's the last part. We trust God with all of our hearts. I'm going to hit you with these last four verses, and then we'll close. Psalm 3, 5, which most of you know this one by heart. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, this new heart, and lean not on your own understanding. Psalm 33, 21. For our hearts rejoices in him because we trust in his holy name. Psalm 62, 8. Trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. And I saved this one for last. It's not in order, John. I'm sorry. Psalm 28, 7. Listen to this. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in him. And I am helped. Therefore, my heart exalts. With, uh, and with my song, I shall thank him. Are you thankful for this new heart today? Yes. Do you have it? Yes. I hope so. So let's look at some last things here. A couple things I just want to leave you with. Don't trust your heart. Don't trust your heart. It's going to lead you astray. Number two, if you've been running from God, avoiding these hard questions, avoiding looking in the mirror, it's time to run back to him. Number three, put your complete trust and faith in Christ and Christ alone. There's a lot of things out there today, a lot of things outside these walls that are trying to come in and, and corrupt what's within. And here's the last thing. We have to trust God through it all. Trust, 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 trust. I taught my students at, uh, at school because I asked our interpreters, what is a sign for trust? And actually, you told me that, Dave. Trust, like hold on to a rope. If you've been rock climbing, you're going on, you're rappelling, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And I said, I got to do what? Yeah, you just lean back, trust the rope. I'm like, ah, that's a long way down. <laughs> I don't know. This is like 50, I'm like 50 feet in the air. It's probably like 20. But you see what I'm saying? That's a long way. But if, what if, what if, what if? Trust. We trust God through it all. It does get hard sometimes, doesn't it? It does. But here's a promise. Hebrews 13, 5, and we'll close. Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. So with that, let's go ahead and uh, let's go ahead and close with prayer. God in heaven, thank you for today. Lord, your word is like a fire. And it is like a hammer that shatters a rock. I pray that if there's any hearts of stones out there today, that your word would have done the work, that have broken the heart of stone so that your truth, your word can come in. And that you can remove that heart of stone and give them the heart of flesh. Lord, times are difficult. Maybe Thanksgiving and maybe the holidays are difficult for a lot of us in this room. Maybe we're suffering through illnesses. Maybe there are things that are weighing us down, Lord. But Lord, you will see us through it all. You have made a way, Lord, for salvation because salvation cannot occur outside of your son, Jesus Christ. I pray that if there's anybody in this room that has not repented, turn to him to eternal life. I pray that they would do that today. That they would reach out to somebody 
in this room. Because, Lord, you made a way. Jesus is the way, and he is the truth, and he is the life, and no one comes to you except through him. We believe that. We love you. We thank you, Lord. And it's in your son's precious and holy name. Amen.